everybody, welcome back to Beaver Stadium, site of Ohio State 44, Penn State 31. This is Snap Judgments on the podcast. Uh, I don't think I can just call games weird every single week, so I won't use that term. How about bizarre? I don't know. I like funky. Funky, yeah. It was it was strange, um, but it was an Ohio State win by double digits, just like I predicted, guys. That's Bill Landis, <laughs> Jeremy Birmingham, and I am Austin Ward. Yeah, okay, that did not go how I envisioned. Uh, it was more similar to what you guys thought, but also over four quarters, it doesn't really seem like these, these two teams should have played that close of a game. Um, the fourth quarter was about as dominant of a performance as you can see, even, but you know, I don't know. It's a tough one to evaluate. Yeah. It was like the way it played out, it should have looked like what you predicted, (laughs) but it played out the way that we said it would, because that's how it always plays out. But what we didn't account for was Ohio state just like kicking into a like 14th gear in the fourth quarter and scored like, I don't know what, nine touchdowns in 30 seconds, whatever it was. That's isn't that like the the part that people are going to walk away from this game going, why did it take so long to push it into gear? I know Penn State's out there trying to stop you, right? That's their job. They're out there doing things to try to confuse the offense and try to slow down C.J. Stroud, which they didn't do at all. Mm. Ohio State seemed to slow down C.J. Stroud by trying to continue to force a square peg into a round hole on offense that clearly right now the run game needs to be the like second focus for the offense and then yeah. and then – set up the run by using the pass because Penn State's secondary might be the best Ohio State faces all year long. And quite frankly, they couldn't stop anything Ohio State did passing the ball at all. Yeah, I think we'll we'll get in that to that a lot more uh, later on in this episode and definitely throughout the next week as we when we start looking at Northwestern and what's obviously going to be a tune-up performance for Ohio State. Really, the next three weeks might be that way. Uh, but I, I don't want it to get overshadowed by the fact that Ohio State came to Penn State. They played the number 13 team in the country. They played in front of 100,000 people uh, in a series against these two that always gets a little funky, to use Bill's term for it, uh, and competitive. Um, They played a good team that put together a pretty good game plan of their own. I think Ohio State could have adjusted faster, but all of that stuff, and we can talk about the things that went wrong for Ohio State, but I think they also need to be put in context of the positives, which is their 8-0, they're through, and, and it's not like you can sweep it under the rug and say everything's perfect. They're going to win the national title. We're going to nitpick that stuff. But to respond the way they did in the fourth quarter and to put their boot on Penn State's throat and to win by 13 in this place does need like – it's, it's not just lip service for Ryan Day to say that they can celebrate it in the locker room, and they did. Yeah, I think it matters to not play your A game and, and win by double digits here. They won by – multiple double digits last week at Iowa. They, they destroyed <laughs> Iowa and probably played like their C game. Um, so that matters. Like there's, It speaks to the ceiling of this team, but at the same time, you do get frustrated when you're watching it in the first half, thinking to yourself, like, why why are you trying to win this way when, when you are clearly uh, out-talenting them, out-talenting a very good secondary, by the way. Um, I, I think that matters. Like, I don't know if they're going to play a secondary that's as good as this one the rest of the year. Maybe maybe they will down the road if they play like a good Georgia, maybe. That, that's probably it. Um, and they shredded them apart when they leaned into it. But for some reason, the bubble screens to Emeka Ibuka, which like were not efficient, the running to the perimeter, which everyone in the stadium knew was coming, was not efficient. The run game is still very clunky, but you don't you don't have to be a run first team, right? They can they just need to be able to run the ball when they have to run the ball, but clearly the strength of this offense is, is throwing it around the yard, and I thought they did that very well. Today. Chucking it around Chucking the yard. Chucking it around the yard. I pondered last week if if at times against Iowa, Ohio State was 
trying to run their head against a brick wall just to say, we're going to do this. We're going to crack the rock, as Ryan Day says. And again, you see that today. There's other ways to be tough, though. You know what I mean? Like You can be tough like Cade Stover is tough, catching the ball over the middle and running through 10 people. Like That's tough. tough. You don't have to always do it running the ball when it's clearly not working. And for whatever Ohio State's doing offensively, the last couple weeks, their opponents are keying on the run game, saying, you're not going to just run the ball up the middle against us. And I, I saw Matt Jones uh, had a pretty rough uh, first half today. Mm-hmm. Buckeyes' entire offense never seemed to really get going until the fourth quarter. Uh, but again, as you mentioned, like the ceiling is so high that when they decide to just let it loose, I mean, it, it was simple. I mean, they, but the toughness is shown when you go down, um, what, 21 to 16, struggling all day and then you score in three plays and then it's over yeah i think there's toughness in finding answers or toughness and not fading away when a game gets the way that that one got and and i think that was a struggle at times for them last year that that frankly feels like a strength maybe doesn't feel great on the journey to get to that point (laughs) but but i do think that is a strength of the team that they do eventually figure it out well and i think that that's important and i i told you guys earlier in the week sort of I wonder if I need to recalibrate the way that I think about this team, the way I cover the team, the way I evaluate games. Because last week, it was like, well, so negative in the first half. And a lot of what I wrote in Snap Judgments at OhioState.Rivals.com for this game was like, like they lost. Because for longer than two quarters today, it felt like that was going to happen. And they're trailing in the second half in a hostile environment. You think, well, maybe James Franklin's finally going to get it done. And, and Ohio State's played with fire long enough that they're going to get burned. Um, so I made it through three quarters, I think, or I made it through the first two quarters, and I did better with what I talked about, uh, waiting to get a four-quarter evaluation for Ohio State, a complete body of work. I couldn't quite make it because of what happened through three quarters, and it was like um, frustrating to watch when Ohio State was not reaching their potential. But then they're capable of what they do in the fourth quarter. Like You wonder why that doesn't happen all the time, and I, I'm trying to remind myself that football is hard, and those coaches are paid a lot of money too, and Penn State recruits very good athletes. And, Berm, you were down here. I'm sure your ears are ringing. There were a lot of very loud people and some super loud speakers that were cranked (laughs) up um, and rattling around these aluminum bleachers. Like, it's You get to play 60 minutes, and I'm trying to do better to say, hey. You, You do have to credit Penn State. They came in here. They had a good game plan. I wonder sometimes, because Mike Yersich coached with Ryan Day, if if maybe they try to get cute and do things that maybe that are different. But he also coached with Jim Knowles uh, at Oklahoma State, and I wonder if he kind of has some idea of what to do to to give the defense fits. Um, Penn State did a nice job moving the ball. They their crowd was great as always. It's an incredibly difficult spot to come play a football game, and so you can't look at a thirteen point win and feel bad about it. But you oh. also know that for Ohio State, the the goal was to win a national championship, and you're not going to do that playing the way that you played the first three quarters of this game. They have um, some alarming uh, poor tendencies in situational football that I think would make me a little nervous. If they ever got into a game that didn't eventually get to a comfortable margin, like 
They kicked a 54-yard field goal when they probably should have just punted or went for it. Certainly, of the three options, kicking the 54-yard field goal is the is the worst one. Uh, Ryan Day forgot how many timeouts they had down here trying to execute end of game. Uh, red zone play calling, they've they've lost their rhythm there. They have to get it back. I don't know if that's coming out of the bye week and, and they you know they got into a little bit of funk. I'm not sure, but uh, third down has not been very good the last two weeks. Like there are things that they need to clean up for sure, but. Uh, I don't know how you stop Marvin Harrison Jr. or Mecca Buka or CJ Stroud when they're playing the way they're playing. Or JT Tuimolowell. And the only way that you can is if you take him off the field. Um, I think when the game mattered today, Ohio State did put their best defensive lineman on the field. I think, again, they made it more difficult than it needed to be. But I'm not, like, that was pretty low on the list of things to evaluate from this game because when JT Tuimolowell was on the field, he was uh, at... Uh, a level that should I say it? Uh, it was like watching Chase Young. It was like watching Joey Bosa here. It was like watching you know Nick Bosa in some of those settings. Like he was an absolute monster, and he did things that, um, in terms of the interceptions, I don't recall ever seeing defensive linemen do. The one right here, the pick six. Yeah, I've seen a defensive end jump up and, and snag a pass like yeah, that. That's just a standard play. Yeah, real standard. I mean, I've seen it before. I'm not trying to diminish it, but the other one... <laughs> seen Sean Clifford do it before. <laughs> that's a Sean Clifford special. Um, and I told you he was going to do that part. That, I, that prediction was correct. Dropping into coverage and then covering a, a running back and then ju- diving over his back to the ground for another of his interceptions was insane. Um, normal humans don't do that. No, I mean, we've seen him be so close so many times this year, the first seven games where he's making plays but not showing up on the stat sheet. And then today, it's like every stat you can have, he's filled (laughs) up at once. And, you know, you watch a guy who has two interceptions as a defensive end, a forced fumble on a sack that he recovers somehow because that ball squirted away. I don't even know how he got up fast enough to go get it. But that was the only bounce that didn't go Penn State's way today because it it spun back to him. his, His athleticism is rare. And you're finally starting to see, I think, it all come together there. And much like Chase Young in 2018 in this building in his second year at Ohio State, it seemed like we might have just witnessed uh, the birth of something. You didn't even mention that he created the first interception by batting it in the air for Zach Harrison to snag true. Three interceptions for the defensive ends today. Yeah, his stat line was like eight tackles, I think two TFLs, the strip sack, a forced fumble, a pass deflection, and two interceptions, one of which was returned for a touchdown. He's a defensive end. He he won the uh, late October Heisman today. Well, it's a pretty <laughs> remarkable game. And, you know, we, we can talk about Ohio State and be like, they've got to be perfect. they got to be perfect. But when you're good enough, as, as this team is, to have three players essentially play perfect today, C.J. Stroud, Marvin Harrison, J.T. Joe Malolo, and you're able to beat. Kate Silver was pretty damn good, too. Right, he was also he was up not, there. Not blocking. And he did struggle. He had one good block, <laughs> uh, but you you watch. Uh, they beat the number thirteen team in the country in front of one hundred eight thousand people. And again, folks, I don't know if you really get how loud this place is uh, in compare. If you've been to Ohio State against Michigan, then you understand what it can be like. But that's like every play in this place, pretty much. Uh, and again, they have an incredible DJ who uh, really gets the party jumping. Uh, day in, day out. All the way up to 11. They probably shouldn't do that, but I guess no one complains, <laughs> so it is what it is. It's weird that no one's complained because 2020, when we were here, actually revealed how much yeah. impact it has in because uh, the noise was the exact same. Yeah. It wasn't actually the fans that provided it. Oh, really? Because there weren't any. Yeah. Oh, it's weird. It was pretty loud. I always uh, thought it was weird there were speakers in the student section. <laughs> yeah, 
your ears are probably still ringing as well from 15 <laughs> years ago. Um, those guys, like CJ Stroud had a lot on his plate today. He answered that toughness bell. Like, I, I think that, you know, when he doesn't throw for five touchdowns, people assume that he must not have played at the level, an elite level or a Heisman Trophy level. The That quick drive there to answer after Penn State had the lead and looked like it was going away, that's also uncommon ability. Um, the strikes, the dart, the third down throw to Marvin Harrison, those two are just, they're special athletes. And I, again, I think that's what keeps coming back to when you sit through a quarter or two and it's not clicking or they're not taking shots to Marvin Harrison. You just wonder why, because like it seems like it's so easy and it's really yeah. not. And I just, I want, I, I'm saying it maybe for my own benefit more than anything else. Like nothing should feel frustrating about winning 44 to 31 against Penn State. No, it shouldn't. Um, I th- the ball that CJ threw down the seam to Emeka Ibuka was like 42 yards. Incredible. I, 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 I almost tweeted Heisman throw, but I didn't want to be hyperbolic. <laughs> um, but if you're looking for, like, the, it's kind of hard sometimes to CJ because this offense is so good. Like, that is not a common throw um, in a big-time spot. So, like, he was he was pretty well dialed in today, which just makes, like, the early game plan all the more frustrating because, like, what is all this? I don't know what this is. Like, go that way. Throw it that way. I don't – they make it they make it much more difficult on themselves sometimes than they need to. The, the stadium felt at that point like it's 31 to 24. Yeah. 30 right. to 24. 30 to 24. 34. Ohio State gets the ball back, and if they don't score points there, the odds of losing this game are pretty high. Mm. James Franklin was still on the other sideline. The way things were going, it, it was felt a tricky spot, like yeah. a weird moment. And CJ Stroud just said, "I'm not interested <laughs> yeah. in any of this." And that ball that he threw to Mecca is as good as it gets. And then you finish it off again. They come back first and goal from the two. And get it away again. And you're like, what in the world are you Situational doing? Situational football. And then they run a seven-yard you know, toss to Trey Henderson on the next yeah. play for a touchdown, which was good. Uh, but at that point, like you start to see where the frustration comes in for people because the offense for the fourth quarter looked like it could do anything it wanted. And for the first three quarters, it looked like they didn't want to do anything. Yeah, by the way, that last touchdown run uh, was a gap scheme run. They had not run like all game, and know what they did the first time it happened? They scored a touchdown because they didn't just run zone into the boundary again. Oh, you're mix su- it up. You're suggesting that some diversity in the play calling would help. Some diversity in the play calling, some better design in the run game, I think would help this offense tremendously. Like it's already awesome. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to it's pretend right. like they it's the stink. One offense in the country, but, but, I, but they need it can be they need one more when they're running the ball. Well, they let Tennessee pass them last week, and uh, it's a possibility that you know. Number two, just not good enough for that team. Um, Tennessee's going to drop when they play Georgia. Don't worry about it. They'll probably drop against Kentucky, but <laughs> by the time this is up, maybe I'll already be proven wrong on that. Uh, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I'm getting home to Ohio and getting the heck out of Happy Valley. It's been a chore. This was actually, you know, the real third attempt at snap judgments. We apologize for that delay. It's been a crazy one here, uh, as it pretty much always is. That These two had that part right. It gets weird when Ohio <laughs> State plays Penn State, but they won by 13 at Beaver Stadium on a nice, beautiful, actually, Saturday in uh, Central PA. We're going to get out of here. We're heading back to Columbus. That's Bill. That's Berm. I'm Austin. Thanks for joining us. Uh, A lot more coverage coming your way on the podcast and at ohiostate.rivals.com. We'll see you back in Ohio um, Monday at Roosters. Bye.